Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform. And follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. We're trying to look something a little bit different with this episode. I'm Lucas. I'm one of your normal hosts. Um, for most of you listeners, you'll know the sort of main focus of our show um, is twice a week we'll put out a show with five main hosts, myself, uh, Wyatt, Jared, Aiden, and Bart. And we'll just talk about sort of the latest things going on in sports. You know, sometimes play some fun trivia and stuff like that. But mostly it's talking about sports themselves. You know, we also have some other sort of sub shows. We have uh, No Days Off, which is why show where he talks about uh, the NFL. We have uh, Pit Stop, which is a Formula One show. Um, and we're trying something a little bit new again this week. Um, we're trying sort of an introduction to sports episode. Um, we did this with Formula One. We did an intro to Formula One episode. It is one of our most popular and one of episodes and one of the ones we've, you know, gotten a lot of great feedback about. So we thought we'd try it, uh, with some other sports. And today we are doing intro to soccer and it is just me, Lucas, and I'm joined by a new host, um, and friend of the podcast, Brian. So Brian, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm I'm Brian. I I went to Notre Dame with a bunch of these hooligans back in the day. And while I I don't share the same love for sports that all of them do, I do share the same love for the podcast. Um, and I think I just think about different things in the sports and um, find them a little bit hard to keep up with. I don't always understand what's going on in them. Um, so yeah, I wanted to come at this from a little bit more of a an inexperienced perspective. Although soccer is maybe the one that I have the most exposure to because I played it when I was a kid. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, so how we're going to set up this episode is that, you know, we're going to go through and Brian's just going to ask me a series of questions about soccer, how it's played, um, how it started, and sort of how it exists now across the world. And I'm going to answer those questions and we're just going to learn a little bit about soccer together through it. Does that sound good? Cool. Sounds great. Yeah, my, my first question is, I feel like the most important and why someone would really get into it in the first place, but why why do you think people love soccer and why do you love soccer? I know that you have a passion for it greater than like some of the other sports. Yeah, so I, yeah, I really love soccer. I Starting off, I played soccer from the time I was a kid. I love it for that reason, but I really love following soccer um, for a few main reasons. Um, it's the most popular sport in the world, um, and I think with good reason. I think one of the biggest reasons that... Um, it's so popular is that the way in which the teams you follow um, can be tied to communities. We're in the midst of the Men's World Cup now, which is a competition, and we'll get more in depth into it later, where um, multiple countries go and compete against each other um, to sort of, you know, play and determine who is the best country at soccer in the world. Um, today's December 17th. Uh, tomorrow we are going to have actually the championship of the Men's World Cup between France and Argentina. Um, and this is a competition that occurs every four years, but there's a lot of sort of national pride and community pride sort of tied up in these events, um, because, you know, people are representing their country either 
you know, where they were born or where their family is from. Um, at the World Cup level, you can represent either a country that you were born in, um, have lived in for a certain number of years, or where your parents or grandparents um, were born in. So, yeah, there's a lot of sort of community pride tied up in that, and that sort of goes down to um, the sort of next level of the sport, the professional teams that exist. Um, soccer teams um, and leagues across the world, whether it be, you know, in some of the huge footballing powers like in Brazil or in France, um, the professional teams there are really um, tied to their community um, and, you know, don't move around in the way that American sports teams do. So I often think of like a team like the Las Vegas Raiders, which are an NFL football team. You know, in the last 30 years, they've been in three different cities. So it's maybe hard to latch on um, to that team um, because, you know, they were in Los Angeles and then they were in Oakland and then now they're in Las Vegas. Um, but in soccer, you know, again, like I said, no matter where you are in the world, those bigger soccer powers like you know, Brazil or France, or even in, you know, smaller countries, um, which might not have um, as much of a history of dominance, um, those teams are really tied to the communities they're in because they, for almost the most part, uh, never move. Um, They sort of become reflections of the community that you're in. So um, I really just love the way in which sports can bring people together. And I think soccer is one of the best ways to do that because, again, uh, those teams are just such integral parts of the communities they're in. So I I really, really like that and the way that they can reflect um, teams can sort of reflect and represent their community at even a professional level and all the way up to the World Cup um, and sort of the national pride that shows off. I think that's really cool. Um, But just talking about the game itself, I mean, it's really easy to play and pick up. Um, All you really need is a ball to be able to play um, and sort of an open area to kick it around in. Uh, We'll get more in depth into the rules later, but the great thing about soccer is the rules are, you know, pretty simple. There are some more complexities, again, that we'll we'll mention as we get further on in the episode. Um, But... For the most part, um, you just need a ball and a field, and you have to get the ball into a certain area, um, usually a net, um, without using your hands. That's the core part of the game. So it's really easy to pick up, uh, really easy to learn, um, and you can play it really easily uh, no matter where you were. I remember, you know, from a time I was a kid, um, I would just like go into like an area with some friends with the ball and be able to play um, without much equipment needed other than the ball um and so it was just really easy and common that my friends would play that because you know you didn't need too much to do it um i like also that you know goals um and again we'll get into how you score and stuff but the scoring is like relatively infrequent so the scoring feels really important which i think is awesome um and there's tons of different strategy and tactics you can use uh to win games there's no sort of one surefire way to win the game which i think is cool it's like you can attack it from a bunch of different angles um you know other sports is more simplistic and the strategy but soccer is really complex a lot of different strategies you can use to win so i think that's really cool um and so yeah so for all those reasons i love it i know a lot of other people in the world love it um again mentioning it's the most popular sport in the world um the men's world cup again which is wrapping up is watched by billions of people um every four years when it occurs and yeah i think soccer is a really great sport both in the way that you can play it um being really fun and easy to learn and in the fact that you know the teams are really um, oftentimes tied to the communities they're in. So they, um, yeah, it makes it something that becomes both a source of like, you know, fandom for sure, but also a source of like national local community pride as well, which I think is really cool in a way that American sports teams can be, um, you know, like I'm from Philadelphia, the Eagles and the Phillies and all that are a huge part. I've been here for, um, in some cases more than hundred years, the Phillies, um, and almost hundred years with the Eagles. Um, but, it's not as common here in America for teams to be so integrated into the community that they're in. Um, but in soccer, they really are, which I think is a really, really cool part of the game. And again, that occurs no matter where you are in the world or 
where you're playing. Um, yeah. So for all those reasons, it's why I love soccer. And I know a lot of other people love it as well. Yeah, I definitely relate to a couple of those. I feel like loyalty is, is something that's just really valuable. And, and sometimes it's hard to see when that's lost. Um, definitely agree with that part. And I remember growing up, I, I did the same thing and like, just, I feel like as long as you had a soccer ball, you could even just use your shoes and like set up goalposts. Like you didn't even, mm-hmm. yeah, you just needed some grass and the ball. And then mm-hmm. You could kind of like make it work and could get to play with your friends. That was fun. Uh, are you, so you don't think that it's loved because of its use of feet? I can't think of any other sport that uses mainly their feet within the sport. Are there any yeah. others? I honestly can't think of too many off the top of my head, at least ones that are, you know, either in like the Olympics or like have a large following um, sort of across the globe. I, I've actually never thought about that. That's a great question. Like, I don't know necessarily whether like that sort of unique aspect of it or using your feet plays into it. But yeah, that's a good thing to think about, actually, because there aren't too many other sports like that where it's unique in the fact that you can really only use your feet. You can use some other parts of your body too, like your chest or um, your legs, but you yeah, you can't use your hands and arms. And I... That, I think, is, like, unique in a lot of ways in sports, so I think that's one of the things that makes it cool as well. Yeah, at least for a ball sport. I guess, like, wrestling, but I'm surprised. I mean, mm. your legs are almost always stronger than your arms, so I feel like the feats of what you can do with a soccer ball are also cooler. I don't know. Yeah, I think Food that's definitely thought. true. <laughs> Food for thought, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, well, for those, of who, for those of you who might not be with soccer who might not be familiar with soccer really at all, uh, want to go through some of the rules and like basically what it's like as a high level. So Lucas, can you explain more generally speaking, what is the game? What's the point of it? And how do people win? Yeah. So the point of the game um, is to put a ball into a net, um, which, and then the net is sitting on the ground um, more times than your opponent um, without using your hands and arms to do so. Again, like I just referred to in the segment, you can primarily do that um, with your feet. Um, you can dribble the ball, which is like lots of little kicks um, to yourself to sort of move it up, or um, passing the ball, so just kicking it hard uh, to one of your teammates to try and put it in that goal. Um, there are 11 men or women who play on the field at a time, usually. Um, the, the game is usually organized into men's and women's um, sports. And um, like FIFA does that nationally um there's a men's and women's world cup and stuff like that um and there's no standard size for a field um but fields have to be between 50 and 100 yards wide and 100 and 130 yards long so again no real standard size for the field but um if the team puts the ball out of play on that field the other team gets the ball and they get to start trying to kick it towards the other team's goal to be able to score um, players are generally divided into four groups. You have a goalie, who's the only player on the field who can use their hands. They stand right in front of the goal and block shots from the other team. You have defenders, who stand sort of in front of the goalie and whose main objective is to stop the other team from shooting or to block shots um, when they're trying to put it in the other team's net. Uh, you have forwards, whose job is primarily to take those shots to try and put the ball into their team's net. And then you have midfielders, who do a little bit of both, a little bit of that blocking and a little bit of trying to score as well. Gotcha. Uh, one thing to clarify, you said 11 people on the field at a time. That's per team, right? 11 on... Per team, yes. Yeah, okay. And then that is a huge range for the width of a field. 50 yards. 
I think you said uh -huh. that the um, the length could be 100 to 130. So I need to know, are there any square fields out there that are 100 by 100? See, I've never seen them, but I really want somebody to do it. Most times are almost, almost always much longer than they are wide. But technically based on the rules of the game, you could have a square field. And I want to see somebody go out there and try and do it and try and make a square field. <laughs> I just feel like we'll that's see. like a whole different game if if you played on a square court instead of a long court. It's I know. It totally changes the strategy, I feel like, the ways in which you can pass the ball. And again, nobody really does it, but in theory, you could. So I would love to see it tried someday. Hmm. Maybe we'll see that in a tournament someday. But thanks for thanks for explaining that. Uh can we talk through some of the other rules that Maybe it would be good to understand that might be confusing to oncomers that are watching the game for one of the first times. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we'll start with a handball. Again, like I mentioned earlier, you can't use your hand or any part of your arm to touch the ball or move it forward. If you do that, the other team gets the ball. That is called a handball. Then there are what, what are called fouls. And it's kind of hard to define what a foul is. Um, I did some research into it. Um, looking at stuff from FIFA, which is the sort of global soccer organization, which sets the rules and organizes a lot of tournaments and stuff like that. They set a foul, and again, not quoting directly here, but it's basically when one player interferes with the other player or the other team moving forward the ball or playing the game. Um, this can take a lot of forms. It can be, you know, tripping somebody. It can be pushing them over. Anything that stops the flow of the game as it would normally um, occurring and when your team commits a foul then the other team gets the ball um, and they have what's called a free kick um, there are multiple levels of fouls there's just a normal foul which means that um, the other team gets the ball and nothing else happens there's what's called a yellow card which is um, a step up foul um, which means that you know they give you a warning a yellow card they like if you do this bad of a foul again um, you'll be kicked out of the game um, and this is usually for like you know, you're you try and just like tackle somebody or trip somebody without making any attempt on the ball. Um, and if you get two of these yellow cards, you get what's called a red card, and you're kicked out of the game. You can also just get a red card straight up if you do something particularly egregious. The famous example of this is in the 2006 uh, Men's World Cup final, in which um, Italy was playing France, and a French player named Zinedine Zidane headbutted um, a guy from Italy named Marco Materazzi, um, and they're like, you know what? can't headbutt people that's not even anywhere close to what's allowed in the game so if you get a straight red card you get kicked out of the game uh last sort of like specific rule is what's called offsides and this is probably the most confusing rule in soccer i would say um so in order um to be to receive the ball um there need to be at least two people between you um and the goal so usually that's the form of one defender um and the goalie um, but it can be two defenders if the goalie is, you know, sort of run out and stuff like that. Um, the only way you can not, not be offsides if there are fewer than two people between you and the goal, um, is if you're behind the ball when it's kicked. So if there's only one person between you and the goal, maybe the goalie, but your teammate pa passes it backwards to you, then that's not considered offsides. And if, um, you are offsides, it just means the other team gets the ball again. So those are sort of the three main groupings of rules. Um, that I wanted to discuss that are sort of the baseline kind of what you know, you need to understand if you're watching the game for the first time, you know, seeing 
the ball change hands between teams. Um, there are those handballs. There are fouls, which again have yellow and red cards included in them, and um, that offsides rule. Okay, and that offsides rule is, I, I think the way I've heard them call it is cherry pickers. And in order to uh, combat cherry pickers, people who just try and like sit at the goal and wait for the ball to be kicked to them so that they can try and kick it in. Um, yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's the core of it. Just so you can't just like put somebody next to the goalie and just like wait for the ball to get there and kick it in. It it makes it a less exciting game if you just have you know just one person sitting next to the goal, just like right there who can get the ball at any time. Yeah, so there at least needs to be a sprint off where you're in line with the defender and someone can pass it, and then you have to beat him. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can see why that's more exciting. Um, I like to watch other people sprint. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Myself sprinting less so, but other people, I'll take it. Exactly. Um, another one that I you didn't mention that I feel like is always confusing to me when I've tried to watch soccer is sometimes after a foul, usually the other team gets to kick the ball, and sometimes they can kick it directly into the net, and sometimes they can't kick it directly into the net. I know I've seen some people that will like, like there'll be two people who are look like they're going to kick it and one person will just like tap it and then let the other person kick it so that they can kick it right into the net. What is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there are two different types of free kicks called direct free kicks and indirect free kicks. A direct free kick is the one where you can kick it right at the goal. Um, and an indirect free kick is one where another player has to touch it before it goes into the goal. Direct free kicks are much more common. Um, they occur when, you know, somebody kicks or tries to kick an opponent when they trip or try to trip an opponent, um, when they're jumping towards an opponent and crash into them, charging somebody or crashing into them, trying to hit an opponent or tackle them or anything like that, holding them back. You know, anything that involves, like, physically hurting them, essentially, even if it doesn't, you know, hurt them, hurt them, but using somehow your physicality in an illegal way um, to stop somebody um, from getting to the ball. That's a direct free kick. It means you can kick it directly on goal. Indirect free kicks are much more um, uncommon. Um, they're a very specific set of scenarios when they occur. Um, and for you to be able to kick the ball into the net, um, you need another person to touch it first. These occur when there's an offsides play. That's what we mentioned before. When there's something deemed dangerous, um, the most common example of this is like a high kick. You might not come into contact with somebody else, but you just like, you know, sort of flail your leg up in the air. Um, and, you know, don't come into contact with anybody, but it's clearly dangerous. Um, a play that impedes an opponent without making contact. Something like dissent, which is using offensive language, abusive language, stuff like that. Stopping the goalie from kicking the ball when it's in their hands. Um, setting up a back pass. Um, and if the goalie holds the ball for more than six seconds. Um, if, they if the goalie touches it after they drop it. You can't pick the ball back up once you've dropped it already um, or pick it back up after a teammate throws it into you. And a throw-in is when the ball goes out of bounds, this is the only other scenario in which you can use your hands. If the ball goes out of bounds, you're allowed to throw it in, but you can't use your hands for any point after that. So it's super complex, um, a lot of different scenarios. The crux of it is direct free kicks occur uh, when you somehow like use your physicality to foul somebody. And an indirect free kick is when... Um, you somehow impede the game, but it's not directly by like, you know, tripping somebody or pushing somebody or stuff like that. Okay. Gotcha. 
Um, this brings up one of my curious thoughts for when I used to play the game back as a kid. Of mm-hmm. For a throw-in from the sideline, there used to be some kids that had learned to do a somersault to get their yes. acceleration up, and then they would whip the ball as they finished their somersault. They would like stand and throw the ball at the same time. I don't know. It was kind of like magical. They were magicians. But why um, is that not a standard in professional play? Is that not actually the best? Is that just like a cool thing that children can do to throw the ball farther? Or is it like too inconsistent? I feel like I've never seen that in a professional play. Yeah, I think it's just too inconsistent. And like, it's also just hard to do. You know, like not many people can do a somersault necessarily as they're like throwing the ball or do like all that. So it's just... I think it's hard to do is is the crux of the reason why it happens. Um, and you probably have less control over the ball because, um, you know, you don't know exactly where you're standing starting up. So you might sacrifice some accuracy um, for the power of your throw. It's still super cool. It's a cool strategy that's used. I remember one of the things that made me fall in love with soccer is when I was a kid, um, I went to a Notre Dame women's soccer game and a few of the women on Notre Dame's team were doing that. And it was just so cool. I'm like, wow, I have to like learn how to like play the sport even more too. So yeah, really cool. Not use a ton at the professional level just because I think, yeah, again, it's it's pretty hard to do. Um, and I'm guessing, I don't know this for sure, but I, I'm guessing you sacrificed some accuracy in your pass for power on it. Okay. Well, I'd just like to advocate to all of the soccer players that are listening here maybe <laughs> that that starts to become like more of the norm. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of find an easier way to learn it, I feel like. But um yeah, the other one you mentioned was, I think at one point you mentioned a high kick, where like you can't, mm-hmm. I, I remember it being like called a dangerous play if, if your foot goes like too close to someone's face or something, which mm-hmm. I have to say from experience is a dangerous play. Having a sister uh-huh. who also played soccer growing up and mm-hmm. gymnastics, she used to practice her gymnastics sometimes in her cleats, which led to me getting oh. cleated in the face. Um. I'm not salty dangerous. about it. But no, not at all. No, no, no. no, 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 no. Um, yeah, I would like to say that that definitely is a foul play. It can lead to, to great pain. <laughs> uh, but before we go on to our next question, though, uh, we're going to get a quick word from Aiden from our sponsor. Before we move on to our next segment, a quick word from our sponsors, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. It's my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. They offer same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, player prop options, and more. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. So right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. So I'm going to tell you what to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code TPPN, place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we're back. Um, the, the next series of questions, I kind of want to get into like, uh, more related topics to soccer that might be um, tangential or maybe not just like to the crux of understanding the game. Um, the first one is just kind of like, how old is the game? Like, where did where did it come from? How was it created? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like similar sort of games that have been played all around the world for you know thousands of years where you have a ball and you have to get it into an area. The team that does that more times wins. Um, soccer itself, though, and again, a lot of the world calls it football. Um, the United States is unique in calling it soccer along with, um, I know, Ireland and Australia are two other uh, countries that call it soccer. Um, but it sort of arose in its like sort of more formalized form in the mid-1800s in England. A bunch of people from uh, sort of bigger schools there decided, you know what, people have been playing this sort of game for a long time. Let's like formalize the rules um, and make it into, you know, sort of have a, a more sort of established game with rules that you can follow. Um, and the sort of like big um, moment, which is seen as, you know, the, the professional, not necessarily professionalization, because uh, a lot of the times the teams were amateurs, but the um, sort of the standard of when there were a formalized set of rules, it was a more organized game, came with the sort of founding of what's called the Football Association or the FA in England, um, which is sort of a governing body for the sport. So that was in 1863 that that happened. So since about that point, um, you know, there have been tweaks to the rules of the game. Things have changed, but the game largely exists as it did, as it was founded in the mid-1800s in England um, and sort of just spread across the globe since that point. Okay. Um, another question here, kind of like from where it originated to how it, it's gotten to where it is today is, um, I think I was talking with Jared at one point and Jared said it is the most popular sport. I think he might've also said that too. Um, how do you think it got from there to being like the most popular sport worldwide? Yeah, I, I guess I don't know the specifics of it. Um, but I know that, you know, it started in England. Um, I mean, I guess sort of sort of the, the dark history of it is that, you know, the English colonized huge parts of the world um, during that time, you know, subjugating people across, um, you know, parts of Africa and Asia at that time. And when they went to those places, they um, would bring soccer with them. Um, and then it just sort of also spread out through Europe. Um, the English were, you know, traveling in and out of the rest of Europe. And when they did so, they brought um the game with them and so in that way it sort of like spread around the world um and i think it spread so easily because like we mentioned before it's really easy to pick up and play you have a ball um you kick it around and you know you don't need too much with it so it's easy to pick up um even if you don't have a ton of experience with it and i think that's why it's become so popular and like especially sports like american football there are so many rules like you have to learn and play but with soccer it's like okay kick a ball into a net you can't use your hands that's about it so I think like that sort of like ease of picking it up is one of the reasons why it's become so popular. That makes sense. My mind also starts to think about like the Olympics and like how we've also standardized a bunch of things through the Olympics as well, or a bunch of competitions, mm-hmm. but we can leave that for another day. Um, yeah. The next question I had was what, what are like the biggest tournaments? I know you've mentioned the world cup. Um, so maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that, but also what are the other like big tournaments that are re- important to know about for soccer or maybe any other like important events? Yeah. So um, every four years, there's both a men's and a women's world cup. Um, the men's has occurred every four years since 1930. There was a break in 1944 because of, or 1940 and 1944 um, because of world war two going on. But other than that, every four years since 1930, uh, France won it most recently in 2018. Uh, the world cup final, for this iteration, uh, the 2022 one, 
um, will be occurring tomorrow, December 18th. We're recording today, December 17th, 2022. And we'll have France versus Argentina in the final. So France will have a chance to be the first uh, repeat champion since Brazil repeated in 1958 and 1962. Um, Brazil is the most... Um, sort of successful team on the global stage in the men's game. They've won five World Cups. Um, and then the Women's World Cup has occurred every four years since 1991. Uh, the U.S. won most recently in 2019, and the United States women's team is the most sort of dominant uh, team on the women's side of the game. Um, they have won four times. Um, but beyond that, uh, continents sort of have their own equivalent of the World Cup where, you know, all the teams from a continent will play each other. These exist um, in uh, North and South America, um, in Europe and Asia, in uh, Africa, um, and in Oceania, and sort of every major continent has their sort of own iteration of it. Um, so South America is called, is called the Copa America, the European one is called the Euros, and in those, it's like sort of a mini-ish World Cup where like all the teams from a continent will play each other instead of teams from across uh, the world. And in the World Cup, not every country makes it, only 32 qualify, and the way in which they qualify is like pretty complex, but it's set up uh, by continent. So like South America has its own way of determining, uh, how its teams qualify and Africa has its own way of determining how its teams qualify. Um, and Asia, et cetera, et cetera, have their own ways of determining how those 32 teams qualify based on the number of spots each continent is allocated. Um, so there are, you know, the world cup, those continental, um, championships. And then there's, you know, if you're an American sports fan, things we're more familiar with, um, things like, um, just like leagues within countries. So most countries around the world have some sort of league and teams play each other to determine a champion every year. Uh, what's unique about soccer though, is again, sort of continental, um, basis of it. Most, uh, continents have a, what's called a champions league. So you'll send the best teams from each league on a continent to all play in like one massive tournament to determine basically who's the best professional team on the continent. Um, the most popular of these is the European champions league, uh, last year, uh, Lyon, which is a team in France, won on the women's side, and uh, Real Madrid uh, won on the men's side in that European championship. So yeah, there's sort of two areas of soccer. There's like the international, you play for your country, and then there's the like professional, you play for um, in a league within your country. Gotcha. That that's quite helpful. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know about any of those really besides the World Cup either. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, getting into that a little bit more, like what are some of the hot topics? I know you've mentioned the the men's World Cup. What are some of the hot topics that are going on with soccer nowadays that would be good for people to know about and or like what might people be talking about at work or when you're out at the bar uh, that would mm -hmm. be good to have some background knowledge on? Yeah, so the, um, the men's World Cup is the biggest thing that's going on right now. Um, and I think it's a great opportunity for you to get in uh, to the sport if you want to um the championship game is again tomorrow december 18th uh, 2022 maybe you're listening to that after i um, mean it will have already happened but that game is between france and argentina and i think that's a great starting point for the game a lot of really interesting narratives going on um a really interesting tournament um we had the first time ever an african country making uh the semifinals in morocco which was awesome to see um and you know the stars were out there are guys like Kylian mbappe who play for france uh, Lionel Messi, who plays for Argentina, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who actually got benched, but is one of the biggest stars uh, playing for Portugal. Um, so I think like if you want a, a good starting point for what's going on, yeah, look at the Men's World Cup. There's a lot coming up in the future that's like really great to look at, too. The Women's World Cup is next year. 
2023. And looking forward to 2026, the Men's World Cup um, is going to be in the United States, Mexico, and Canada. Um, so we're Americans. Um, so And if you're an American looking for a way into the sport, you know, four years from now, the, world, the Men's World Cup is going to be uh, here. Um, there's going to be games in cities played all across the country, um, in Seattle, in San Francisco, in Los Angeles, in Kansas City, in Dallas, Houston, Philadelphia, Atlanta, New York, and Boston, um, along with, you know, those games that are played in Canada and Mexico. Um, and so, you know, if you want to spend the next, you know, three and a half, four years getting into soccer, you'll have a chance to see the Men's World Cup here, which is great. And what's really cool is that it is spread across the whole country. It's not like the Olympics where it's just in one city. The World Cup is, you know, within a whole country. So you have lots of opportunities uh, to see the game. That's actually so cool. That that makes sense with, I, I think I've heard things about the World Cup where people are actually, or countries are building stadiums for it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you have so many teams playing and, and playing at the same time that you might even like need additional stadiums for it. That's really cool that it's spread all across the country as well. Um, yeah this is really helpful hopefully for any listeners as well to understand kind of how the game works and some of the background Um, yeah i really appreciate you talking talking through these that was cool yeah of course um appreciate you having on i think we have some plans for some more episodes like this in the future so make sure you know you're staying tuned in and subscribing we're on apple podcasts and on spotify so make sure you're downloading our podcast there and listening uh, make sure you're following us on our social media. Our handle is at lunchpailguys underscore. Uh, we're on TikTok. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We provide a lot of updates there, especially on Instagram. So if you want to see new episodes being released, uh, some quotes from our episodes, make sure to follow us there. And yeah, we'll have lots of great intros and other normal episodes in the future. So thanks for listening along soon. Uh, and we'll see you soon. Bye.